Hey, we're going to be in Matthew 25 today, 14 through 30. You might want to turn there. We're looking at faithfulness today. And uh, have you ever heard this phrase? Houston, we have a problem. You've heard that? Spoken from space, from Apollo 13. Actually, that's not, that's not really the quote. The, accurately, the quote is this. Okay, Houston, we've had a problem here. First spoken by Jack Swigert and then by James Lovell. Uh, this phrase, of course, Houston, we have a problem, is, is now famous from the movie Apollo 13. I don't know where they got the title for that, but it's creative, okay? Uh, and their problem, do you know what the problem was? I'm going to tell you what it was. Well, let me explain that to you. It was a main B bus undervolt. Now, in my time with NASA, I, I, I think I can explain this to you. Are you ready? <laughs> Why are you laughing? So let me explain to you what a main B bus undervolt is. I have no idea. <laughs> Watch the movie. It created a lot of problems, and they had to invent stuff out of duct tape and foil, and I don't know what, but it's kind of amazing. But it's a phrase that most everyone knows. Houston, we have a problem, but I'm going to key on the word problem because I want to tell you something. Today, guess what? We have a problem as well. Listen to Proverbs chapter 20, verse 6. Many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find? That is an indicting verse, is it not? That tells me something. We all have a problem. We all struggle with being faithful. We all struggle with the idea of faithfulness. We're in trouble, but guess what? I've got good news for you today. We have an example. We have uh, a source for the solution to our problem. Listen to Deuteronomy 7, verse 9. Understand, therefore, that the Lord your God is indeed God. Amen? You believe that? God is God, right? He is the, ready, faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations and lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commands. I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful that verse written all those years ago, it said to a thousand, he's faithful to a thousand generations. And that's kind of a, a literary device to tell us what? Forever. And that includes 2021. Aren't you glad? He is God indeed, and he is faithful, and we can look to him. Now, I read about salvation this morning in a weird place, Isaiah chapter 25, as I was reading this morning, and Isaiah 25, 1 hit me. You know how that happens sometimes? Those of you that are teachers, you're getting ready to teach, and all of a sudden, you see something, you go, well, Lord, thank you for that. Here's Isaiah 25, 1. Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will praise your name, for you have accomplished wonders, plans formed long ago, are you ready, with perfect faithfulness. That's our God. That's our God. And, and, and we have the opportunity for our God to work the fruit of the Spirit and cultivate that in our life. So let's read our verses, verses Galatians 5. 22 and 23. Read that with me. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Wow, we get to look at uh, the result, the outcome, the harvest of the Holy Spirit indwelling in us, faithfulness. 
It is the Holy Spirit's fruit. And the word for faithfulness is the word for faith, pistis. It's kind of a weird word, but that's it, right? So we want to think, when we think of faithfulness or faith, we want to think of these things, of assurance, belief, faith. All those go together with faithfulness. We need God's faithfulness. I'm sorry that we don't have uh, actual sermon notes in the, the compass today. Vacation stuff printed early and things like that, but you can write fast today. But I'm going to give you a few verses here, and here's how I want to couch this. Before I ever get to Matthew 25, here's a statement for you. We need God's faithfulness. You believe that? We need God's faithfulness. Look at what he does. I'm going to read verses and you think about it. He is faithful or his faithfulness we need for complete salvation. 1 Corinthians 1, 8 and 9. 1 Corinthians 1, 8 and 9. He will also strengthen you to the end so that you'll be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. You were called by him into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So we need that. We also need his faithfulness for our deliverance from temptation. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you, but such is common to man. And God is, do you remember it? Faithful. Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide a way of escape also so that you will be able to endure it. We need that. We also need God's faithfulness for our ultimate sanctification. You know, that process of being set apart. He's working in our life. We're saved, but there's lots of things he's doing. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 23 and 24. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who will also do it. And of course, every day, for some of you, or me, every hour, no, uh, we need his faithfulness to, in the area of forgiveness of sin. Any sinners in here today? Bunch of liars didn't raise their hand. Sorry, you weren't ready for an active participation. 1 John 1, 9, you know it. If we confess our sins, he is what faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We need his faithfulness for deliverance through times of suffering. 1 Peter 4, 19. So those who suffer according to God's will should, while doing what is good, entrust themselves to a faithful creator and we need his faithfulness for the fulfillment of our ultimate hope do you have that hope do you have that hope like i do that ultimate hope of eternal life hebrews 10 23 let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful i love that little section there jerry bridges helps us with that as he put that together but that we need God's faithfulness in our life. He is the example for us, and he is the source of it. So as we think about what we're doing today, we need to exhibit a faithful life, which is the result of the Holy Spirit working in us. And now let's get to Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30, a famous parable I'm sure you know. Verse 14. For it's just like a man going on a journey. He called his own slaves and turned over his possessions to them. 
To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. Then he, began, then he went on a journey. Immediately the man who had received five talents went and put them to work and earned five more. In the same way the man with two earned two more. But, there's the word, but the man who had received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of the slaves came back and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five talents approached, presented five more talents, and said, Master, you gave me five talents. Look, I've earned five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and, you see it, faithful slave. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. Then the man with two talents also approached. He said, Master, you gave me two talents. Look, I've earned two more talents. His master said to him, same thing. Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. Then the man who had received one talent also approached and said, Master, I know you. There's a problem right there. That's a whole nother sermon, all right? Master, I know you. You're a difficult man, reaping where you haven't sown and gathering where you haven't scattered seeds. So I was afraid and went off and hid your talent in the ground. Look, you have what is yours. But his master replied to him, you evil, lazy slave, if you knew that I reap where I haven't sown and gather where I haven't scattered. You see, he's turned around his words. He's just restating his words. Then you should have deposited my money with the bankers. And when I returned, I would have received my money back with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have more than enough. But from the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And throw this good-for-nothing. That's actually what my Bible says. <laughs> throw, throw this good-for-nothing slave into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's pray. God, speak to us this morning. Your words and your Bible, inspired by you, Truth without any mixture of error. Touch our hearts. May we be open to you today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So Jesus shared with us that the, the point of this parable is twofold. You know, parable is always the story that's going to give us some things that we need to learn. Not just for the hearers that heard it right at that moment, but even today for us who hear it. The first one is this. Picture the master that went away as Jesus. So first, while Jesus is away, the believer, those of us who are Christians, we're to do something. Look at it. We're to serve faithfully and diligently. And guess what? Rewards or judgment will come when Jesus returns. That's the first point. Second one is this. It speaks of a talent. Now, think of a talent as a weight, not a coin. So the value of a talent could and did vary based on whether it was what? It could have been a weight of gold or silver or copper. But in any case, quite valuable. And Jesus taught here that his followers are to be faithful in whatever he gives them. Did you catch that? 
Be faithful in whatever he gives us, whether it's five, two, or one. Did you notice it said it was based on their ability? Now, that's not a bad thing. He's not saying the guy who got one was horrible, but he's just saying, you're faithful, you're faithful, you're faithful. Different abilities, so different things given to you. And here's the thing. We're to be faithful in whatever he gives us, whether it's a gift, an ability, a responsibility, or a blessing. So let's break this thing down. I think we'll have it up on the screen, the, the various points. Point number one is in verses 14 and 15, and it's this. We, we need to recognize before we get into this, we serve a faithful, giving God. We serve a faithful, giving God, verses 14 and 15. As the parable begins, just like the man traveling on a journey, Jesus has left earth. And ascended into heaven. Are you aware of that? I hope you know that. And he's sitting at the right hand of God. But he'll return someday. And when he returns, it will be time for reward and for judgment. In other words, it'll be time for faithfulness. Or it'll be time to check out the faithfulness. John 14 is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Of course, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. But it, as we back it up, the disciples are in a funk. They're in, they're in trouble. They have anxiety. And in John 14, verses 2 and 3, Jesus says this, In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. He's coming back. And just like the parable, the Lord has entrusted his possessions to his servants. And by possessions that we see here, gifts, abilities, and responsibilities. See, we church, we got to get over how much gifting we have. We got to get over how much ability we have. Everyone has something. Amen? Let your past go, let whatever go, and realize the Lord is faithful, and he is giving, and he's given each one of us who are Christians something. Now, we often think of spiritual gifts. Well, we know Scripture teaches something. A couple things. Every Christian has at least one. Are you aware of that? Do you know what it is? Figure it out. Spend some time with the Lord. And no one has all of them. So there's room in there, isn't there? For different amounts of gifting, different amounts of ability as well. I sat and listened to that last song and people were singing and I was going, man, I wish I could sing like, like him or like her or like her. We all have different abilities, don't we? But here's what I want you to get. We have responsibility. We have been entrusted with a, at least one possession that the Lord has given to us. That God, the, when we're saved, that moment of conversion, when we're sealed with God's Spirit, that moment of regeneration, when we truly become a Christian, when we have repented, we place we, our trust, our belief, our faith, pistis, that word, when we place that into the Lord and God saves us because He is the saving God, He is the one who saves us, when that happens, he gives to us. Listen, it's more than salvation. 
I get tired of running into Christians who have what they think is a free ticket to heaven. You know what I'm talking about? Do you know what I'm talking about? Salvation is not to get a free ticket to heaven. Yes, we're guaranteed eternal life forever in heaven with God and everything good and his presence but there's so much more because he has given us something and he's given us responsibilities while we are here. Otherwise, as I was sharing with the guy last week, we might as well be zapped the moment we're saved, transported straight to heaven. I've often asked the Lord, God, why do you keep me here? Why, you know, why can't I go? And of course the answer is grandchildren. No, that's not the answer. <laughs> but it became a good answer once we started having those. Are you getting what I'm talking about? We, we, we serve a faithful, giving God. Not we just have one, but we serve, okay? And notice how this works, Christian. The Lord called his own servants, literally bond slaves. That's my, my translation says slaves. That's an okay translation. It, it, we are his own. It's his own who were to be faithful, and he gives each a different portion to be faithful over uh, uh, according to his ability. I just love it and want to remind you again, no one's left out. Remember this, God wills as he wants. Have you heard that phrase before? God wills as he wants. And he knows each slave or servant perfectly, each one of us. What we, to be, what we are to be faithful over are the gifts that we need and can use, his possessions. And remember, we each have equal opportunity to be faithful in using what God has given us. And we're to be judged on our faithfulness. I want you to get this this morning. We're to be judged not on the number of gifts or the size of the work. We're to be judged on the faithfulness. So let me ask you before we go any farther, how are you with the faithfulness quiz? How are you doing? What did last week look like? Did life get in the way? Did you have other priorities? Did you have other things? Maybe, maybe you were depressed. Maybe you were anxious. Maybe you were just super busy. Did you, were you faithful, questions for me as well, to what God has entrusted to you? It's different for you than it is for me. Some weeks are better than others, aren't they? But we serve a faithful, giving God. Number two, we see a picture of faithfulness versus unfaithfulness. Now, that's not very creative, but that's how it is. Uh, faithfulness versus unfaithfulness in verses 16 through 18. Take a look at that. Let me just read it again so we, we have this in our mind. The man who had immediately the man who had received five talents went, put them to work, and earned five more. In the same way, the man with two earned two more. But the man who had received one went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. So we see a picture of faithfulness versus unfaithfulness. Two servants were responsible. They were very faithful. Can you picture that? Note that they went to work when? Immediately. Immediately. From the moment... You're saved. There is service in the kingdom for you to get busy with. 
Not to be nervous about, not to be scared what others will think, but we have service to do. Folks, have you ever noticed this? People who are full of God and are sharing their faith with others regularly, guess what tends to happen around them? Some pretty amazing stuff. People get saved. Things happen. For people, though, who this little light of mine, hide it under a bushel, you know what I'm talking about? Who just sit back, you cloister yourself, maybe you go to Bible study, maybe you're here at church, but once you leave, you're cloistered. Your only friends are Christians, and you only have two of those. And you stay at home, and you did it before COVID, and you don't engage even with your neighbors. We could go on and on and on. Guess what? Not a lot of stuff for the kingdom happens. You see, we have a responsibility. They went to work immediately. And it mattered not that the amounts were different. There was a five and there was a two. And guess what? They were effective. It's amazing what God will do. When we are willing and we take the step, it is amazing what God will do with our meager faithfulness. And Scripture tells us that each doubled what the Lord had given. You know what that's called? Fruit. Have you heard of that? I am so tired of people who have taken uh, judge not lest you be judged. And, and they have put a moratorium. Is that, is that a word? Yeah, I think that's right. I was hoping I wasn't saying a funeral home term. Uh, they, they've said, oh, you can't do it. No, the Bible is full of instances on where we are supposed to bear fruit in the kingdom. And guess what? People can look and see if we are bearing any fruit. Christian, let me tell you something. If you're a Christian that there's no fruit in your life, I am fearful for you that you truly are a believer. I know that's a hard statement, but listen to me. The pattern in Scripture is there to be fruit in our life. That doesn't mean you have to be Billy Graham. But there should be fruit, there should be service in the kingdom, and it ought to be evident, and this is what God expects of us. So we have these two who are faithful. They go to work immediately, and they're effective. There are results. Listen to 1 Corinthians 4.2. 1 Corinthians 4.2. Short and sweet. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. 1 Corinthians 15.58, one of my favorite verses, says this. Therefore, my dear brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in what? The Lord's work. Always excelling in the Lord's work knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And then we get to the picture of unfaithfulness. We see one servant, one slave, who was not very faithful. Now, I wanted to say he was not faithful at all, but I didn't want to argue with someone after church, okay? I, I guess he didn't go, he wasn't the prodigal son. He didn't go squander it, but he, not very faithful. He just dug it and put it in the ground. He did a little bit, but here's the point. He did not do what the Lord wanted him to do. And I want to sit, share with you a strong statement. You may want to jot this down. It's very convicting. I would say this. Each lost opportunity equals unfaithfulness. At least that's true in my life. Each lost opportunity to serve, to share, to witness, to do what we should be doing in God's kingdom, each lost opportunity, one that I miss, is unfaithfulness. 
Listen, don't worry about the amount. Be faithful. So we have this picture of unfaithfulness. You know James chapter 4. James chapter 4 verse 17. I love this. So it is a sin for the person who knows to do what is good and doesn't do it. You heard that verse before? That's one you want to underline, but underline like this. <laughs> you don't have to read it again. Yeah. We know we're Christians. We don't. It is sin. So then in verse 19, we see the return. It's a faithful return. And I think it's important to note, Scripture says that after a long time, the master returned. What does that mean? It, Jesus is coming back, okay? Yet it seems to be a long time in the eyes of people. Not in his eyes, not in, not in God's eyes, because God is not bound by time and space like we are. And it seems, don't you, sometimes it seems like a long time, right? Some of you have been praying for years, Lord Jesus, come on back. Seems like a long time, but for God, it's not. But here's what I want you to get in that. Jesus will be faithful in his return. It, it will happen. Jesus is coming back. And one of the purposes of his return will be an accounting, just like with the master and the slaves here. And I would ask you this, are you ready? Are you ready? Have you been faithful? Romans 14, 12. So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God. It, ma it matters not what your view of eschatology is. It matters not how great of a theo theologian you think you are. You, that's clear. Each will give an account of himself or herself to God. 1 Peter 4, 5. In case you didn't get Romans 14, 12. But they will give an account to him. And then here's the kicker about Jesus, who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Jesus is ready to judge, but he faithfully waits. Why? What does Scripture say? Why is, has Jesus not returned? There's still work to be done. There's still people to be saved. There's still uh, parties in heaven when one comes to faith in Christ. There's more that still needs to happen. Jesus is ready. And he faithfully waits for more and more to come to repentance. And he will faithfully return. So then the next point is, verses 20 through 23, a reward for faithfulness. Here we get to the rewards section, and I, I think you know the story. Clearly, there's a reward for faithfulness. Did you notice the master didn't just take it all back? Not at all. You see, there's going to be more to do. And these first two guys model this. It's important to, to know they knew, Scripture tells us, it was the Lord who gave. You gave this to us. It wasn't me. So whatever your gifting is, whatever your talents are, whatever your abilities are, whatever, God gave it to you. Yes, I know you work hard. Yes, I know you developed that. You took piano lessons for 20 years. You know, you, you, you threw a baseball a billion times to get to where you are. I understand all that. But it is the Lord who gives. It is the Lord who gives. And they recognize that. We should be thankful for the privilege of faithfulness developed in us by God. In fact, we might do better with faithfulness if we are thankful and recognize, Lord, thank you for giving me all this. Let me be faithful. Let me serve and work in your kingdom. 
Now note something in both of these guys. Did you catch it? Word for word, what are they called? The first two guys. Good and faithful servants or slaves. And it says something we, we miss a lot of times. It says that they would share in the master's joy. This joy is the joy of the Lord himself. This is a joy in which he himself possesses within his very being. Joy. Joy is the state of the Lord's being. Because why? He is perfect. And it is his perfection that gives rise to a fullness of joy. Good and faithful servant, share in your master's joy. Now I want you to note something. I want you to read between the lines. See what's there and what is not there. Have you ever noticed when you're reading something and you see what's not there? I think this is interesting. When we think of stewardship, and I'm not talking about money today, I'm talking about serving in the kingdom, what God has given us. Note that faithful stewardship pleases the master. Do you see that? Listen, more than the actual return on his investment. It's not so much what the actual return is, it's that there was faithfulness. Are you catching that? Listen, when you share Christ and that person rejects God, you are a picture of faithfulness. God is not looking at the result. He's the one who saves. They're rejecting God, not you, but you are being faithful. We get hung up sometimes in numbers games, don't we? We need to be careful of that. It's not about how much, but rather, what are we doing with the opportunities God has given us? And let's finish up with this, the last point, uh, verses 24 through 30. So we've had a reward for faithfulness, and now we have the reward for unfaithfulness. You know, my question when I read this is, this guy, why? Why did he not use the gifts the Lord had given him? Have you ever wondered why? Well, I think from Scripture, if you'll read, he misunderstood. Did you catch that? He believed something about God. He, he believed the Lord was too difficult that the Lord demanded too much. Did you see his excuse? Now it's an excuse, but maybe he really believed that. Why didn't you do what you had a chance to do and be faithful? You misunderstood the Lord. What about you? Anybody there? We do not serve because we are doing an act of penance. We do not serve because we are scared that God will spank us or zap us. If we do not do that, we should not misunderstood. He also feared. You know how I know he feared? He hid it. He dug a hole. He hid it. What about you? And he failed. There was no use for the gift. And the master even responded, man, you could have put it in the bank and we got a little interest. Of course, this was not written in 2021. <laughs> you put, do you get any interest if you put something in the bank? Point zero, whatever, right? Yes. Sorry to bring that up for those of you with bank accounts. Yeah. Wow. There's reasons why he didn't do that. But what we see here in this section, then comes the reward. And it's in stark contrast to the first two slaves. Let's look at it. Verse 28, so take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given. Again, that's, that's not a verse on who wants to be a millionaire. 
That's not what the verse is about. It's about serving. It's about God giving to us. So give it to the guy who has ten talents, for to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have more than enough. But for the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And there we see what happens. And throw this good-for-nothing slave into outer darkness, in that place will there be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Here's one I want to get. However you um, interpret that, whether you're, you're looking at the Lord coming back, you're looking at heaven and hell, or whatever you're looking at, I think we should all agree right here is this. This guy would no longer have a chance at faithfulness. Did you catch that? There, there, will be, there won't be another chance. He will be separated out of darkness. He will be separated from the joy of the Lord. In fact, joy would be replaced with something. Did you catch it? Wailing and gnashing of teeth. Joy would be replaced by complete and total anguish. So let's apply this. Here's the first one I want to share with you today. Too many people believe God to be this harsh taskmaster. So they thus become scared to be faithful in what God has given. Is that you? Has that been a mark of your life? Has that been something that has kept you down in in being faithful and having faithfulness in your Christian walk? God is a God who loves us. He's a God who's given us what? Grace and mercy, abilities, gifting, talents, opportunities. He's giving. He's giving. Every day he's giving. Let us not be that way. How about this one? Others think they can live as they please. The last guy. They think that what they do is no one's business except their own, not even God's. And they miss out on an amazing blessing, the blessing of faithfulness. Don't be that guy. Here's another application. Don't miss this one. We had a verse on it a minute ago. Sins of omission are as serious as sins of commission. Are you familiar with those terms? A sin of commission would be what? Think of the Ten Commandments. I commit lying. I commit stealing. Are you with me? Things that I'm doing, sins of commission. But sins of omission are just as serious. We rank sins, don't we? God does not rank sins. So when we miss, when we are not faithful, no, we don't lose our salvation. No, we we still have the promise of heaven. We're not going to hell. We're still a Christian. But we are sinning when we miss the sin of omission. Guys, I don't know about you. But in my life, that's where the rubber meets the road. What about you? Yes, I have sins of commission. But so much more, I have sins of omission. That's why I asked you, how was your week? How was your week? Did we miss out on things? And then the last application, if you'll look, is a tough one. I think some Christians really are not Christians. Oh, you Baptists. But, but think about it. I am so fearful for you. If you, you would tell me, yes, I, in VBS I was saved when I was nine years old and I got baptized. Or you'd say, I'm a member of this church or that church. Or you would say, um, something about your family or whatever. Listen, if there's no fruit 
in your life. I am fearful for your life. Think about it. If there is no fruit. And I'm not talking about outward stuff where we, we say, look what I have done. But God, God knows and God sees. Do you know the stats on Christians who have never shared even their testimony with a non-believer? It's pretty high. Or have never shared the good news? Just simply, Jesus changed my life. Jesus died for me. He, he forgave me of my sin. He is the ruler of my life. I have purpose and meaning. It's that simple. See how fast I did that? Where's Nate? I did that in less than a minute. He, you know, less than a minute. Think about it. Think about that for a minute. No fruit. No faithfulness. Let me share with you something. Don't assume that you are a believer <clears throat> if, there's, if, if there's no fruit and working in your life. Uh, let me go to James chapter 2. You know this. You've read this. But we don't always believe it. Christian, we don't believe it. But it says, faith without works is dead. Why? Because we're scared of the people that say works saves you. You've got to jump through this hoop and that hoop. You've got to be a member of this family and that church. You have to do this sacrament. We could go on and on and on. These are the things you have to do. But Scripture tells us faith without works is dead. We aren't saved by works. Hear me. We're not saved by works, but when we are saved, we will have faithfulness with the opportunities God gives us. So let's close in this way. This fearful, lazy slave was deceived. It is very important for us to be faithful to our Lord, for us to desire for him to cultivate faithfulness in our lives. So I want to ask you today, are you truly saved? Or are you deceived? Is there evidence of your Christianity? I want to read to you the, the most scary words in the Bible. They're the words of Jesus. Write it down. Matthew chapter 7, Sermon on the Mount. He saved this singer towards the end. Now, Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, you know it, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only the one, listen to this, who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, think about Jesus coming back. Think about this parable. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? We could say, Lord, I even had a TV show. Or I wrote a book, okay? Many will say, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we drive out demons in your name? And do miracles in your name? What does Jesus say? Then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. That sounds pretty negative, huh? Gee, I didn't need to come to church and get that. Wow. But the flip side is so positive, and there's so much blessing. Here's my desire for my life. Not that. Boy, that's negative and tough. But mine is well done, good, and faithful servant. Don't you desire that in your life? I desire for God to say that to me. Faithfulness. The opportunities that God has given to us who are his children. Let's pray.
Lord, speak to us today. Teach us today. Help us to remove everything. Help us not to, to wonder about just this word or that word or, or, or wonder, well, what about this or that? God, help us to focus right now on faithfulness. Pistis. Faith. Belief. Assurance. Seeing you as the example and source for faithfulness. And realizing, Ephesians 2.10, realizing that we are your workmanship and that you created good works for us before time began. Lord, teach us about faithfulness. Help us to be faithful. And Lord, I pray for those today who are listening online, for those who are sitting in a chair right here, who truly can't be faithful to you because they're not part of your kingdom. They're not your children. I pray for those who need the good news in their life, that they would respond to the fact that Jesus came and died for their sin. He is the only one who can forgive their sin. And they are to repent and turn to Jesus and nothing of their own power. He gives them the faith to do that. And I pray that people would do that today and realize today is the day of salvation. God, please help us not to rely on a piece of paper that says we were baptized or a church membership or a family who has loved God even in generations and generations past. God, help us to realize we repent, you save, and then you become Lord and we serve you faithfully. And there's evidence of that. So God, I pray for those who can experience that until they're turned away from their life and turned to you. God, may that happen today. May that happen this morning. May that happen this afternoon, this week. We ask for that, Lord. For those of us that know that we know that we're Christians, just remind us of missed opportunities. That's unfaithfulness. And spur us on. God, renew within us something so powerful that we immediately go and serve you faithfully. God, put on our hearts, whatever that is. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.